0: This is Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Welcome to Sci Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me again is Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. And Mike McPeak. Hello. Yay, we got the whole team here tonight. Woohoo. Oh, let's see. Tonight we're going to be talking about Logan's Run which is actually started off as a book as most science fiction does but it was then turned into a movie um, in the mid-70s, 1976. Um, we've got uh, a little quote here from Wikipedia, you know, the best source of information on the internet. It was uh, The film was directed by Michael Anderson, and it starred Michael York. And to be honest, it's one of, at least in my mind, one of his signature roles. Uh, a bunch of other people, including Fair Fawcett and Peter Ustinov. The rest of the names don't ring a bell with me. Screenplay, blah, blah, blah depicted a dystopian future in which a population and the consumption of resources are managed and maintained in equilibrium by the simple expedient of killing everyone who reaches reaches the age of 30, thus preventing overpopulation. And this this story follows the actions of Logan Five, who is a sandman, that is his job, as he runs from society's lethal demand, Oh, that's the worst summary of the story ever, I think. <laughs> but that's what it says. Um, yeah, basically, Logan's Run is set in this dystopian future. It is um, essentially, you know, when you think of the future, you know, the the shiny, smooth surfaces, everything's clean, neat, tidy, everyone's happy, everybody's um, thin, everybody's... Um, you know, eating well, there's no poverty, all that stuff. That's that's what much of the movie is portrayed as, or much of the society in the movie is portrayed as. However, <laughs> there's this dark underbelly. Boy, gee, that kind of harkens back to uh, what's the first one we did or the second one? Metropolis? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. yeah um, you know, you've got the shiny uh, well-to-dos up top, and underneath are the the, the laborers, and which is exactly what this uh, society is built on as well. Um, oh, confession time. I haven't actually seen this movie in ages. I've I've read up on it. I've I've caught some clips. I've listened to some some summaries. So I'm going to count on on Mike and Jeff who have seen the movie recently. Uh, kind of fill me in a little bit. I've got some fuzzy memories perhaps. Um. One of the basis of the, the, one of the key technologies, I guess, of the um, setting is this domed city. Uh, you get the impression that it was, you know, the uh, nuclear apocalypse that happened and, you know, you only survived if you were in this domed city. Um
1: well, as yeah. you watch the story, and you get later on in the movie, you find out that it's within well walking distance of a few days of Washington. So this must have been their plan that they move people in there, and then you know it's never defined what the apocalypse was that caused the rest of the population except at the for very the-
2: at the start. There's some text as to what happened in the past, but I don't think even then they say what happened that caused this migration to the cities,
0: you know, and, and to, to the domes. And and good sci-fi doesn't need to be specific. You just, you know, the the bottom line is bad things happen, the world, you know, got destroyed, and, and the few remaining people are in this domed, utopian city. You know, um, so, you know, whatever happened, it pretty much wiped out everything. And,
1: and they lay the groundwork, or, you know, they have to have a reason for staying in the city. Right. Um, you know, so they concoct the whole... Um, um,
2: population control idea.
1: Right, yeah, We're, and you know it's managed by a, a computerized system, so the the people themselves, yeah, really don't, uh, you know, they just do their, their thing, whatever it is, which seemed kind of superficial and not anything too, you don't really see anybody working yeah. that hard.
0: that was actually uh, one of the last-minute notes I put in our show notes, it was the idea of work um, as it's portrayed in this movie, because basically the only person who had a job we're the Sandman. <laughs>
1: well, they did have the yeah. U facility there, right?
0: And they did where, have um,
1: where Farrah Fawcett worked. But um, you know, and Farrah Fawcett char- the character in that movie gave credence to all the blonde jokes in the world. Um, she <laughs> she's, seemed barely, barely yeah. smart enough to form a sentence.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: She well, she couldn't uh, remember anything, and then uh, she's trying to. She's she's uh, relating. You know something that had happened and the other girl just kind of leads her along like oh don't you remember this don't you remember that oh yeah yeah that's the way it happened like yeah yeah she 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 was not she was playing right into those blonde jokes
1: and i'm cringing every moment because i think could you have written this character any dumber but you know maybe that's what they were trying to say that people in the city that uh you know, on one hand, it did seem like they, their minds had been kind of simplified, but they were still doing, you know, uh, certain amount of things that required, you know, complex thoughts, tracking runners and this kind of stuff. So I, I just really couldn't get a read on what they were saying about the intelligence of the population in general.
0: Did you get the idea that it was the kind of a, a tiered society, a caste society, that you know most of the people were kind of children, and then occasionally there were a few adults like. Sandman who kinda of had but, to run even things. Even the
2: sandmen, like Logan it had never occurred to Logan like how the city ran itself. Like That's they just true. uh they had forgotten how the city like where it's seemingly where their food came from, right. all of these things. They'd forgotten there's an outside of the dome.
0: Right. So, and and boy does that hit on some, you know, issues today, you know, where uh people think food comes from the grocery store, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but... Um, and so that, even back then, that idea of... I, I termed it assumed technology. You know, things just work. Um, and, and we don't know what to do when things don't just work. Um, that's, you know... To some extent, Logan's Run's key... One of its key... You know, the, the point, the moral of the story is that... You know, when we depend on technology too much we kind of, you know, forget and forget that it's there, we're kind of screwed when it's not there. <laughs> so,
1: well, and you know, something else that I was wondering about as I was watching the movie, the, one of the opening scenes was uh, apparently uh Logan had created a child with uh somebody else and they're looking at it in the nursery there, but right. they never, you know, and I don't know, maybe they didn't need to, but they never really spelled out um how the children were raised, um, and how they were, you know, growing. Because uh, it's not like anybody's married. There's no commitment nope. to anybody in any of this. It's just all kind of like, hey ho, go with the flow, hedonistic. Uh, Let's have a good time, rock and roll. You know, uh, t- uh, times there. And uh, there's nothing mentioned about how these people are raised, except for the fact when they had to go into the cathedral district because they had what they call them cubbies.
0: Cubbies, cubbies yeah. yeah
1: cubs yeah that were running amok it apparently that's where they sent the problem children they didn't have like you know social services they just sent them off to another place where they didn't have to worry about them but you know you're never really shown how they were raised or how they get to that
0: you know i got the impression that like nobody was ever pregnant as much as they were all no, they're, they're having a good time not. nobody was ever pregnant nobody no. ever gave birth um there's none of that family bonding stuff that like you say they went to a nursery there were a bunch of Small children, infants, type of you know age, um, but there I was think it's very few that the children
2: are somehow raised by the
0: the know, computer
2: the state or uh, raised oh. by almost machines. Yeah, or something by like the that. computer. They're definitely not raised in any sort of a family unit or anything.
0: And and I got the impression it was almost minimal human interaction because I, I what I remember of it was like one person in a in a room with I don't know. 40 uh, more dozens of infants, you know, uh, would not pass daycare standards in any civilized country that I know of. Yeah. So, you know, so basically you've got a society that where no one's older than 30, everybody can have any relationship of any kind that they want with no consequences, no responsibilities, you just have to diet.
1: On 30. the plus side, I guess there's no judgments either. But, yep. um, yeah, like you say, no responsibility, no consequences.
0: Yep. Yeah. But also,
2: this was written in the late 60s, right? So the whole, like, and I think in the original book, the age was 20. Anybody, yeah. once you turned 21, you were terminated. So it's that whole, like, hey, man, like any adult's a square and they can't be trusted, so yep. I'm going to write this story where we'll just eliminate them.
0: That's a yep. good point because this is basically hippie culture um, projected forward. Well, I think
1: one of the you know phrases of the hippie culture was never trust anybody over 30, thirty. So apparently their idea was just to get rid of everyone over thirty.
0: Right. That works, right? Huh?
1: No, considering I'm over thirty, this worries <laughs> me a
0: little bit. Um, the yeah.
1: Well, and then, uh, you know, so the, the way they kept track of people's age then was uh, what they called it. The, uh, in the book, I think it was called The Palm Flower, and in the movie, it was what, uh, uh, their hand gem? Yeah. The little gem in the palm of their hand, when that turned red and started to blink, you knew that your time was coming. Right.
0: Yeah, and I think, didn't you wake up one day and it had turned black, and that was the day you had to report to Carousel? Yes. When it's
2: when it's flashing, does it flash in your last year or on your last day?
1: I think last year or last okay. cycle or whatever they called it. Um, right. Yeah, and you know the, the carousel part that was to me a little weird. Where. You know, everyone gathered together in their hoods, and then they circled around and they flew, and uh, I realized the special... They probably did the best with the special effects of the day day that they had, but it looked like people sort of kind of burst into flames or...
0: Yeah, they were vaporized. You know, I was reading something online about that particular scene, which apparently was extremely difficult to film, incredibly dangerous for the people involved in in it, and um, (laughs) one of the most difficult things that had been done for a movie up to that time
1: yeah I think they tried doing it uh, was it individual guy wires and they started getting tangled with each other so I think they had to come up with a different system and then where they were uh, looked like they were floating overhead I think they actually versed, reversed the camera shot the scene facing down so it looked like they were flying up towards the yeah there was a little uh, it did take a little coordination to get it to uh, uh, to get the special effects to come off But yeah and you know, one of the um, the guns that they used in this uh, movie they were some of the weeniest guns I've ever seen (laughs) in a movie what they kind of spit out fire and you had flames coming out the side of the barrel
0: right they reminded me of um, the kind of guns you'd buy for a like a seven year old boy for Christmas you know, I, I've, I've literally seen them where they do that. They spark at the edge end of the barrel, and, you know, like you say, it comes out the sides.
1: Right, and then when the Sandman was chasing the runner, were they tormenting them by missing them on purpose, or are these the world's worst marksmen?
2: I don't know. I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, whatever money they spent on uh, most of the special effects, I think they spent most of it on their gigantic model of the city, and then they just cheaped out on pretty much everything else. That and car- the model of the city, and then carousel, carousel, and then they cheaped out on every everything else.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, and like in Star Trek, you'd have a, a phaser that would evaporate a person. You might have, a, or you know, even a good bullet that uh, you know you could see the person fly across the floor or something. But here it was just this kind of burst of flame, and, and yeah, it, w- it was some of the cheesiest um, special effects I've ever seen. Yeah. I think.
0: Well, it's interesting that the story required runner control. I mean, if if the, the society is built on this assumption that, you know, you turn 30 and you go to carousel and your time is up and you have this chance of surviving, basically, um, but then people kind of figured it out. And so those were the people that became runners. And then the you know Sandman's job was to you know kill runners basically, but it was you know it was, it's it's it, it was very telling in the fact that you know one day this person could be your best friend and the next day their this little thing in their palm started changing colors and and it was your job to to shoot them, um, and you didn't think anything about that. I mean it was like you say they were I I might argue that they were tormenting them. I I really think that once they became runners they were less than human to these folks.
1: Sport or something. Yeah. And applying a little logic to this there was like Francis 7 so let's assume you know uh, about 210 years that they've been at this just kind of doing you know, a little figuring here. In that time, because they were, talked about going to Carousel and being renewed, had in that 210 years, has anyone ever bothered to question, to see if anybody find anybody who has been renewed and who has come back? Right. Um, the, the Like I said, the logic there was a little sketchy. Wouldn't it? Somebody said, why am I going to go up there if I'm not sure? yeah and- I don't
2: know, though. Look, in a world like that, where every relationship they seem to have is transient, like Sure, I, I think you you probably wouldn't know and like especially if if almost everybody is dying at 30 anyways, like I, I yeah, I think I think you you could get away with doing that.
0: Well, if it okay. becomes society's norm, you don't question mm-hmm. norms. I mean, yes. it's there's a there's a people like runners would be the only ones that question those norms. The vast majority of people wouldn't give it a second thought.
2: Right. Well, and like we have You know, in in, uh, historical times, you have examples of things uh, that we consider just crazy today, but were the social norm. Like uh, in Sparta, they had a total uh, warrior society uh, to the point that, uh, you know, like the most adult men, well, all adult men were in the uh, military. And uh, the home life, you know, their wives were for making babies. They would go home. Uh, to generate more population, and then they went back and, and lived in the uh, barracks, right? And it was, um, I remember reading that like it, it was considered abnormal and sick to uh, to have like a relationship with your wife, right? And, yep, uh, and, and well, that became the social norm at you know in in Sparta,
0: right? And and things like you know um, public hangings. Um, you know, let's take the kids out and watch them yeah. hang somebody, you know, which is kind of like, like even, carousel even
2: today in China. Like yeah. they have a they have a one child policy. Right. And I'm sure there's lots of people that are unhappy with that, but they're not unhappy enough to, you know, for there to be, you know, a great social unrest.
0: Yeah, mass uprising and yeah. overthrow the government because of it.
2: Yeah. So that's become their norm and and they they're able to live with it.
0: Yeah. So you know, and and there are people that question it. Funny you should mention that one because yeah, people are in jail because of that. Oh <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, that would yeah, be the equivalent of, of runners. runners yeah.
1: Yeah. So you, you do have these people that then question the social norms. Yeah, and like I say, they become runners, and, and so then the uh, the computer becomes uh, uh, it uh, brings Logan in after he catches one of the runners and has the uh, the Ankh symbol there, um, and so the computer then. Task Logan with finding these people who have disappeared. They had a specific number of people that uh, have disappeared. Like a thousand?
2: That was, that was the most yeah. interesting part of the whole story to me is that the computer has these unaccounted for people and comes up with the idea of sending Logan out to get them and just like okay well I'll, the computer decides that it'll modify his uh, hand palm thing so now it takes the last four years off of his life to say okay well now We're going to make you into a runner. You go and get these people.
1: Yeah, go find sanctuary. Bring uh, and eliminate these people so that the you know the books will balance as, uh, such as it was.
0: Well, yeah, and and the all kinds of questions get raised there. I mean, first off, your computer, <laughs> you know, uh, figure it out. Secondly, why Logan, and you know, and why take four years off his life? Why not pick somebody else who's already but at it that was stage?
2: Logan because he was the one that found the onk on that one runner. Yeah. Dropped off the onk, and that was like you, because the computer asked him, "Do you know what this is? Um, you know, do you know what sanctuary is?" Because the computer obviously had been picking up on this stuff.
1: Well, I think it. They did. They picked Logan. besides the fact that he had the onk symbol there. You know, they took off his four years, so I think the idea was to make him feel threatened, and they needed him to run and be a convincing runner. And the best way to do it is feel like you've gotten cheated out of something and you need to make that up somehow. So the best thing to do would be to run and try to, you know, get out of the system. But they still wanted him to be loyal enough to bring these people back. So it's.
0: And have some reward. Yes. Well,
2: that was the thing that wasn't made clear to me is like, okay why did he even show any loyalty? Because he asked the computer, like, well, what's happening to my time? Like, like he was not being promised, like, well, you'll get your, those four years back. Like, the computer more or less let him know, like, yeah, that's it for you. You you find Sanctuary, you come back, and we'll kill you too. <laughs>
0: right. And that was a lot of his motivation was that uncertainty. I remember that. He kind of left going, I don't know. Are they going to or aren't they? You know,
1: yeah, at one point, yeah, when he does meet the group that points him on the way to sanctuary, hits his uh, uh, communicator or whatever it was to report his location so that the Sandman could come down there and eliminate those people. But then he does decide to run, and his friend, uh, friend Francis, follows him, and that you know and that's where we get the continuation of the story, um, where they you know he then leaves the city, and uh, they follow him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting. You know, we just kind of contradicted ourselves because we said there really weren't friendships, and all the relationships were transient. But but there was something there between Logan and Francis. Yeah, right.
1: oh,
2: not not all the relationships yeah. were transient, but like uh, certainly like when they when they met the Peter Ustinov's character, the old man character, uh, right.
0: They, they,
2: the idea of a husband and wife, any sort of permanent male-female relationship, was totally foreign to them. Right. Um,
0: and and let's it, explain that. You just kind of jumped way ahead in the plot there. Um, you know, Logan goes through this. This he he becomes desperate. He's heard of sanctuary. He knows of some people he thinks might have some inside information on it. He contacts them. Um, essentially, they lead him. He, he finds his way outside of the domed city, um, which, in their society, had to have been, like, you know, stepping out into poison. I mean, everything has told them that, you know, you have to stay within the city to be safe. And I, I don't
2: think that they're aware that there's anything outside of the city.
0: But there, but that was part of it. There, there was nothing out there for them. There was no reason to go out there. You know, um, you know basically, if... if it it becomes a big boundary a big unknown big wild area big
2: well when they first come outside they they see the sun and they don't even know what the sun is right. which i found very amusing cuz later when they get back you know he he understood what the tides were because he's saying oh the the, the tides must power the city you know through some machinery well <laughs> you didn't know what the sun was how, you know but and all of a sudden you figured out the tides that's that's pretty good
0: yeah but yeah, in that process, they, they go exploring outside of the city and run and and want, find themselves in, essentially, Washington, D.C., post-apocalypse. And in, I believe, what, the, the Senate chamber?
1: I believe so. Is
0: well, uh, Peter Ustinov, does he have a name? He's just the old man. The old God. man, that's yeah. all they ever called him. Yeah. But-
1: But before they got to Washington, they had to go through that refrigeration unit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which, where the rest of the runners happened to be because nobody had, uh, as far as we could tell, none of the runners had made it past that point because they were all in cold storage. They never
2: never explain if Peter Ustinov's parents were originally runners who made it or where they came from. So they may or may not. Actually, they couldn't have even been runners because he didn't even recognize the palm flowers from, right. from Logan and uh, whatever her name was. So if his parents had been runners, they must have somehow gotten rid of the, the palm flowers before he was born, because he didn't even know what they were.
0: Or, or We don't know how long they were inside this dome city either. Is it possible you had a population outside of the dome city, you know, as scattered and, and tribal perhaps as it might have been, and he was the last survivor? Maybe. I don't.
2: Well, he doesn't talk about anybody other than his parents. Okay, it's like he's never seen. Oh no! At one point, he he did say that he had seen other people occasionally. I think, but so certainly think- not for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, I think whatever uh, catastrophe uh, assaulted the human race, you had the ones that uh, was going to, you know, propagate the Earth moved into the city, and, and then you had the stragglers outside, which, uh, you know, for whatever reason, why ever they were thinned out, were sparse and, you know, few in between.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they,
1: they never really did, you know, try to explain too much about why the old man was there.
0: What? Yeah. It's and that's not their job it's, that's yeah. our job <laughs> I, yeah
2: I like that kind of stuff I would far rather them kind of leave those loose ends to let me wrap them up in my head or just you know question than than to you know force feed you every single detail yeah, yep. yeah
1: sometimes it's better to write your own scenario it, it may yep. be better than you know what they would have actually written themselves
0: yeah I, I guess in my own mind the only thing I, I'm wrestling with is how many generations were in the dome and how many generations were outside the dome, you know, like, so, yeah.
1: You know, like you said, the highest number you heard was Francis 7. Um, so that's where I kind of came up with the 210-year um, figure. And it may have been more than that because, you know, not every generation may have a Francis to it. So. Right. right.
0: Yep.
2: See, I, I wondered at the start if it was uh, had something to do with the days of the week um, because I, I wondered if there was a carousel every day, and then you know, so like, so say Logan was the month of July, so he would have been Logan. You know, uh, July seventh would have been his birthday, right? So, but uh, but like Mike said, like I never heard anybody with a number higher than higher than seven or so. Like, yeah.
1: Well, no, I'm looking here in the show notes now. There was Holly thirteen, so um...
2: that was Farrah Fawcett's
1: character with yep. Was, yeah. yep. So, I mean, you know, just kind of pulling together with, you know, a couple bits of information, you know, it's it, kind of hard to, you know, extrapolate a lot there, but...
0: Well, yeah. And and realize that the old man would have seen three, maybe four generations inside the dome. I mean, if he was 60 to 80 years old, that's, you know, a couple of, you know, like I say, three or four generations probably that um, inside the dome so or or two or three generations so it's you know time would have moved faster indoors essentially right. interesting um yeah interesting how basically both inside and outside um history was forgotten yes.
1: there's
0: uh, yeah. you know i like
2: that that's that's a pretty common theme um something you see over and over again is like you know we really have forgotten where we came from, how we got here, our environment, the technology that we're using to, you know, run ourselves. So. Yeah,
1: you know that was the one thing that did strike me when Logan was talking. Sometimes, yeah, you know, they lived in this, um, you know, in the city, and they had they led the sheltered life, but he still did seem to have enough understanding of science, like you said, you were talking about the tides and some of that other stuff, which, you know, it it confused me to how much, because these people didn't seem stupid, but they didn't seem like they had, you know, quite enough knowledge.
0: And there was no hint of anything like school. No. I mean, there was no, I mean, how people, like, I don't know how um, Sandman would have learned their jobs. I mean, the computers are running themselves. And people were somewhat serving the computers, but it's, you know, who in the heck was maintaining the computers or, you know, building them?
1: Well, and, you know...
2: There didn't seem to be anybody in charge of anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it was just... Even those guys that were in control, like the computer was showing them where there was a runner, and they were just kind of reporting it and directing somebody to go get it. There, there didn't seem to be anybody who was supervising anything. Right. Uh, the only person that you saw really kind of in charge of anything was the doctor at the the it, yes. the, the new U place.
0: Yep. Yeah. Hmm, interesting.
1: And obviously. The computer must have been running with it had its program in place, and you know by the time we get to the end of the show, we see rigidly fixed in place because after they find the old man and they decide that there wasn't anything outside for them, they decided to go back to the city uh, with the old man to show people that you can live past the age of 30. You know they get back into the city and they're arrested. And they're taken in to be interrogated by the computer, and the computer is uh, basically—it's some sort of weird mind thing where it probes Logan's mind. They, they do, he doesn't even get the answer to answer the question. They just kind of pull the information out of his head, and the answers that he's giving them doesn't compute with what's inside the computer until it finally has a you know a literal mental meltdown, and the city starts to collapse around it.
0: Right, and I believe the final scene is the city, you know, going down, imploding basically, and but the population kind of streaming out into the sunset, sunrise, trying to figure out now what.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, and and the, the population comes out and sees Peter Euston on.
0: Right. Yeah, they see the old man. The majority of the population see the old man for the very first time. You know. And-
1: I need to rewatch that last scene because uh, I was reading on a trivia site somewhere that supposedly one of the people came out, va- uh, flashed the Vulcan uh, "Live Long and Prosper" <laughs> sign as they came out. I figured you would like that one, Julie.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: So now I need to rewatch that scene and see if I can find the guy who did you know, who did that.
0: Cool. Yep. Interesting. You know, Logan's Run, at least in my Life, I guess, is one of those classics um, that just—it's it, a touchstone for for science fiction. It dealt with um, so many essentially social things that were going on at the time, you know, and yeah. and took and played them to their extreme, and yeah. and showed what happens when you do that, and, and you know, which always points out the weaknesses and, and whatever it is they're trying to point out.
1: Yeah, it was socially relevant. I mean, if you look at the tech, the tech is pretty sketchy in there. But right. yeah, the social relevance of it, of the you know questioning social mores and yep. um, the what extreme do you want to go to have the perfect society and is it worth it?
0: Right yeah and the whole thing about population control and free sex and um you know no don 't trust anybody over the age of thirty and um, you know the idea of uh, lack of hierarchy you know don 't respect authority so let 's not have any um, so you know it, it it's a it 's a beautiful piece of science fiction as far as you know trying to to wrestle through some of those things but
1: and and completely topical for the times mm-hmm. because um what year did that come out? Uh,
0: 67, wasn't it? Oh, the,
2: 76.
0: No, that's the movie. I'm thinking oh, the of the book. book oh, I think it oh, was yeah. and, oh, and yeah. it was actually quite quite interesting that there really wasn't a lot of time between the book and the movie. Um they they started the book came out and they basically started trying to make a movie out of it almost immediately. It took a while, but yeah
1: yeah I think they had a little trouble getting it made but yep. yeah but even for the seven uh you know mid seventies like that i mean they were still wrestling with those questions of yeah, yeah you know free sex uh you know uh you know and at one point um there was the um, they had that when they were doing their escape. They had to run through the the sex shop and apparently run through this mist, which you know was basically some sort of a drug, which just kind of heightened your uh, you know your euphoria or whatever. So yeah, there was you know sex drugs. The only thing they were missing was rock
0: and roll. roll. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Uh, any other tech that? We can, what one of the things. You know, one of the reasons the population was being controlled was because of uh, resource equilibrium. You know, they could only produce so much, therefore they should only consume so much, therefore they only needed so many people. Um, one of the things that they are going to have to wrestle with, and gosh, doesn't all good science fiction come back to this too? Now that the city is gone and that equilibrium is gone, they're going to find that. Um, you know, people are actually going to get pregnant and have children, and population's going to explode, and they're going to have to feed them and house them and deal with all of that fun stuff. And, you know, um, life's not going to be clean and neat anymore, but it might be, you know, human. <laughs> so. I
2: don't think they were going to have a population explosion at the end of the movie. like as, as Utopian, if they showed it, I think that they were due for a gigantic collapse immediately because there's no way those people would be able to feed themselves. Yep
0: that's the and that's the alternative you know right. can they deal with that challenge um is if with everything that they had been taught all their lives did they have any skills that would make them able to cope with the new reality so yeah that's the that's the final question that's you're left with as you you know well, the movie ends is are these you know how are so they going to make it
1: that's what the old man is for because apparently he's been surviving somehow so yep. He would have to pass on his knowledge to these people to, you know, survive, and, uh, and uh, you know, it was never really, I guess they must have read in the in there, so that if they take them back to Washington where all the books are at, hopefully they can, the knowledge hasn't all been um, demolished or destroyed there. So you would hope that between the old man teaching them long enough to, uh, to survive long enough to acquire the knowledge they need to create another world that they could then destroy again... Um you know, looking many generations down the road here.
0: Yeah. Again, that's that's one of the you know, the when the when the movie goes to credits, it's like, Ooh, are they gonna make it or aren't they? I mean, they kinda have the things maybe that they need if they're up to the challenge. Are they up to the challenge? You know.
1: And you know, I kind of remember it on TV, but then they tried to make it into a TV series, and I think dealing with after they left the dome, I just don't quite remember how that went. I, I
2: watched at least one or two of the episodes when I was a kid, but I just I just remember the image of the title scene of a domed city that had Logan's Run and the the city dome. I don't remember anything else about it.
1: And, yeah, I think it was life after the Dome, and, you know, I think yeah. it would, tried to, you know, extrapolate on um, how they were going to survive in the conflicts, and, you know, you're going to have have to have leaders, and you're going to have to have people doing the work, all this stuff that they didn't have to deal with before. So right. I don't think it lasted too long, but they tried.
0: Yeah. It sounds actually like a horrible idea for a TV show. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, Logan's run. If you haven't seen it, um, I think uh, you were saying that it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it is not on Netflix. It's uh, where else did I look for it? Oh, Hulu is probably the other one, which obviously I didn't think would be on in the first place. But um, yeah, if you can find it, it's probably in a you know a two dollar bin somewhere. Um, but it's it's a really good piece, classic piece of science fiction in my book that uh, everybody should have some. Um, knowledge of or experience with, so go watch it. Oh, okay. Next week, next week, it's still September. Next week, we're going to come back and watch another movie. Um, this one's going to be Stargate Continuum. The Stargate uh, series, Stargate franchise, it's more than one series, um, is a big one. So we're just going to kind of pick our entry point as uh, the Stargate Continuum movie and, and talk about uh, what's um, in there. And the, the couple weeks after that, I'm going to be gone the following week. So Jeff and Mike are going to pick up and carry on in my absence. And they're going to talk about, it's a book, right? Um, Moat in God's Eye. Um, something they're both familiar with and I'm not, so I have to read it while I'm gone (laughs) so I know what they're talking about.
2: We didn't talk about Who who wrote
1: it? I can't remember. Jerry Pornell and um, Nivens. um, uh, Oh, Nivens.
0: Nivens. Oh, yeah, I got it. Okay, I'll have to get my hands on that. Then the week after that, we're giving everybody a heads up on this one. Roughly, you know, October 12th, we're going to. Uh, is it is it a book or is it just an audio book? It,
2: it's it's just. Uh, I believe it's just an audio book. Um, For- the author's name is Nathan Lowell, and it's called Quarter Share. He released it as an audiobook. It's currently on iTunes. I believe you said there was. I think there was fifteen chapters, and each one's about forty-five minutes. So anybody who's listening, you have like three it's weeks three or so. Weeks, you can yeah. download them all and listen to them. Uh, between now and then and uh, if you for some reason you can't find it you can just google his name Nathan Lowell he's got a website I think you can get everything off of his website and there might if you're really uh, uh, if you want to read a text version he might even have like a pdf file on it on there of the uh, of the book
1: okay so everybody has their homework, and they need to come to class prepared. <laughs>
0: yes. So. We've given you the syllabus for the next month, you know. <laughs> due dates are... Oh, Lord, that sounds familiar. But, yeah, and and sorry, but we have to live by the same due dates, so um, I need to get on it as well. But, okay, so that's the plan for the uh, upcoming weeks, and we will put that out on the website, so you've got um, links uh, that you can... Search for things there. And other than that, I guess that wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Um, you can always check us out at sci Those show notes will be out there. You can follow us on Twitter at sci Tech Talk. And if you have ideas, comments, or anything else you'd like us to maybe take a look at, that'd be awesome, send them to sci talk at gmail.com. And again, we're always looking for reviews on iTunes as well. So let's see. Jeff, where can folks find you out in cyberspace?
2: People can uh, send me tweets on my Twitter account at uh, at Sire, s y e r.
0: All right, and Mike, what about you?
1: I can be found on Twitter at uh, DSC Chipman, and then um, you can see uh, go to my other podcast. They do Bard on the Plains uh, podcast, and that's at Bard on the Plains com.
0: Sounds good, and I can be found at uh, on Twitter at Julie Keel J U L I E K U E H L, or um, if you're looking for my other. Blogs, podcasts, and all the other things that I do can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. So I guess that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future.